So, hey, everybody. Sure. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, hey, everybody. Welcome to the very official Logistics Planners podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Gonzo. And then I'm joined by, uh, I don't have any, this is, this is season three. This is the first episode of, st- of season three. So I don't have a, a, a title for you yet, champ. What do you got for this one? Not yet. Hey guys, it's champ. Uh, welcome back. It's season three and we're kicking this thing off with a bang. So it's June um, and in observance of Pride Month, we are doing a very special Pride episode. So we have individuals from all over the world in three different service branches. So y'all, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are so excited to hear your experiences and just have a really great conversation. Um, so I would love for you guys to all introduce yourself if we can start with Melody, please. Yeah, hey, so my name is Melody Stackauer. Um, I'm a Chief Petty Officer in the Navy. Um, I've been in the reserve component for a number of years, and um, I happen to be trans, and I always like to say that's the least interesting thing about me, um, because there's so much other things to talk about, about who I am and what I do. Um, But just as a, a point of reference, I also happen to be first openly trans sailor appointed to a command triad billet in the Navy. So um, that's me in a very short nutshell and I'm sure I'll talk more about myself as we go on. All right, so I'm Ashley Irig, as in Irig, iMac, iPhone, iChat. Uh, I'm Air Force and I'm an E6. I have been in for 10 years, served under Don't Ask Hotel for just a year, but it was a very impactful time in my life. So I look forward to talking about that later. Hi, I'm uh, Matthew Bratt. Um, I've been in the Army for 14 years. Uh, so five of that was under, or four of that was under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Don't make me do math in public. Um, I'm currently an all sports intelligence analyst, um, also just known as an intelligence analyst to the normal non-intel people and um happy to be here hey so uh half y'all know me already but uh to everybody else this is uh kayla itson i'm a master in u.s air force uh been in almost 14 years next month i served under don't ask don't tell and during uh down with doma so i'd like to talk about that as well Uh, my name is Hannah Schakowsky. Don't mind the last name. A lot of people just call me CZ. Uh, I'm in the Air Force. I just hit my two year about a month ago. Um, so I'm freshly into this, but I am a senior airman. And um, yeah, we'll see how much I talk about myself. <laughs> wow, well, save the best for last, huh? No, <laughs> uh, so I'm uh, Cesar Fernandez. I'm an E5 in the Air Force. I'm a logistics planner, just like Champ, Kayla, and Gonzo, and proud to be one too. Um, I haven't served under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and I am part of the newer generation, I guess, a more privileged generation. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I haven't gone through my struggles as a gay man. So I would love to talk about all that stuff. And of course, like hear from everybody else as well. Champ, I think it's on you. 
Sorry, I lost my mouse for a second. I couldn't get it off my other screen. So thank you guys all so much for coming on today. Hey, Fernandez, thank you for putting this all together. Um, he advertised and got us some really amazing people um, to come hang out with us, a very diverse background. So we have a lot of representation here tonight. So super excited. Um, so really the first thing that I, I would like to talk about is really what is LGBTQT plus? What does it mean? And what does it mean to you guys? Not everybody at once. So I'll dive in for you on this one, champ. Um, LGBTQ plus is a long way of saying um, a group of people who have um, a lot of diversity in who they love and who they are, um, that is generally speaking, outside the heterosexual and cisgender uh, umbrella. And um, it's, it's also a way, and I use a couple words there, heterosexual and cisgender, um, of identifying that people are different without saying one of them is the only normal way to be. Um, because there's such um, beautiful variation in who we are and who we love and all of those things about us that, you know, normal doesn't really have a meaning in that sense. Um, you, you get to label yourself as you feel comfortable, um, but it's all part of the beautiful variation in who we are. That was really good. I honestly don't think I could have answered it any better. The only thing that I would say is I don't think that it's not normal. I think every type of love is, is normal. So, um, and I just think that normal is man-made, right? We, we all have a different perception of what normal looks like, but I don't think that we're any different than anybody else. Yeah, so for me, LGBTQ, it just, it's family, honestly. Like, I just, I can't say that enough. Um, you know, we're such a diverse community, like, especially like just being in that Facebook, uh, the military LGBTQ enlisted group. Like, I see so many, like, all the way from chiefs, retired chiefs to like brand new A1Cs just all coming together like in a sing uh, single platform. And it just like, I don't know, it makes, it gives me goosebumps because I'm like, like where was this type of uh, inclusion? Where was this type of diversity like back when we needed it, you know? So it's just, it's family, it's all family. That's, that's really what it means to me, honestly. Is everybody Not, on that yeah. uh, LGBT page? Sorry. Well, you're good. Sorry. Is everyone on that page by, by chance, the mm -hmm. uh, enlisted page? Sure am. I was just going to say, uh, we're a family, right? But we're also a family that has all of our own problems as well, right? So just like every other group, any other marginalized group in America, you know, we're not perfect. And I think it's uh, really important to talk about that as well, particularly with, uh, I think Melody brought it up earlier in uh, Tennessee, there's uh, a few things going on with uh, the transgender community that 
everyone should be paying attention to. And it's not just Tennessee, Tennessee, Arkansas, um, pretty much any Southern state you can name. It's not a great situation, so. Well, and a lot of states that aren't in the South also have been, you know, pushing, you know, all sorts of legislation that can be harmful to trans people. Um, in a lot of recent years, but this year there's been a certain momentum around, you know, two or three um, bills that look a lot alike in a lot of states. I love all of those different answers. It's family, it's love, it's diversity, it's being inclusive, it's love. That's my favorite part about it. But Melody, you bring up an excellent topic, right? Um, there's a lot of things happening in our world that are, are affecting uh, our transgender community right now. Um, and talking about those struggles is important, right? Bringing that to light is important. So let's talk about that for a little bit. What, what's going on? So, you know, several years back, you know, you had, there was a big push to pass, pass bills in state legislatures about um, where, where trans people could go to the bathroom. And really the question was, are you, for a lot of us, the question wound up being, are you going to um, follow the law that's been set out with you, set out for you, um, and can look completely like you don't belong there and risk getting, you know, attacked, beat up, injured, whatever else in the restroom? Are you going to um, use a restroom that matches your identity um, and risk having someone decide, oh, that person doesn't look like they belong, call the police and have us wind up in, uh, in custody? Or are you just gonna figure out how to not have to go to the bathroom when you're, when you're out in town? And those were really the three options that trans people had when, when those bills were going through a few years ago. Now, um, there's been some pretty successful pushback in most places, and most of those questions, you know, have been resolved, um, mostly to the satisfaction of most trans folks, um, but certainly not, not entirely, not exclusively. Um, and so this year, the bills that we're seeing going through um, tend to be of a few varieties. Um, one of them is about how, um, medical providers are, are no longer allowed to provide transition care of any sorts to include, you know, delay of puberty care um, to minors. Um, one of them tends to be about um, whether or not you can play on the sports team of your gender identity. Um, and, you know, realistically, what they are about more than anything else is getting trans people to feel like they don't belong in the places that they, their identity says they should. Um, and it's given that I am an adult and am able to consent to my own care, you know, they don't necessarily have a daily impact on my life. And yet at the same time, you know, they have a daily impact on my community and my people and you know, being told that you don't belong um, by society, by your parents, by your closest circle, you know, that's a really good way to, to create mental health issues. Um, a sense of belonging, a sense of true belonging, you know, has been seen to, seen to be one of the most important ways to, you know, increase mental health resiliency, 
um, uh, in, in improve mental health overall. Um, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be a large group of people, but one or two people who are, you know, truly with you, that's truly part of your community, that's truly, you know, accepting, embracing, and affirming, um, has massively beautiful outcomes on mental health. Um, and so, you know, these, these bills that are trying to say, you don't belong here, you're not allowed to get medical care, you're going to have to have to wait until you're until you're old enough that that someone else can't tell you that you can't consent um you know it's it's just a way of saying that you don't belong here in our space in our state um on our sports teams um and just a way of saying that you're not smart enough to know who you are And, and that's huge. It's huge. We talk about that all of the time um, on this podcast is making everybody feel like a somebody. And that's such a, such a simple concept. Um, but as humans, some, some tend to only apply that where they see it fits. So that's what we want to communicate, right? Is those concepts, those people concepts that we talk about all the time, they don't just apply to to who you pick. It applies to everybody. Everybody. It doesn't matter who. Right? So I want to hear some personal experiences um, from, from you guys. Um, I know that some of us have served under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, under Down with Doma. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' experiences, especially on those two subjects. All right, so I guess I'll go first. Uh, first, I'll talk a little bit about um, before the military and what led up to my decision to, to join, right? So I knew that I wanted to be in the military for a long time. I really wanted to pursue my education and, and you know work towards something that I could show for myself later on. I, I was working way too much. Uh, before the military, I had a crazy <laughs> ex-girlfriend who stalked me. She keyed my car, she slashed my tires, she, followed me from work. She would take pictures of me at like 2 a.m. when I was driving on the road and send them to me from numbers that I changed five or six times. And I was this close to uh, getting a restraining order on her, you know? I was like, I gotta get away from this person. Like, no matter what I do, she's always there. And before the military, you know, I knew that you couldn't be gay in the military. And I also knew that I was gonna put my, myself at risk from that goal that I had for myself to file the restraining order because the military looks into your past history. So I was terrified and I was like, okay, do I file this restraining order and get temporary protection or put up with it for the next year or so and join the military? And I chose to just try to fly under the radar so that I could join. And I didn't really realize how big of a deal Don't Ask, Don't Tell was until I actually showed up at MEPS, which the military enlisted processing something. I don't, I don't know what that actually stands for, but I think that's a good guess. Uh, <laughs> so um, when I arrived and they're, you know, putting you in these vulnerable situations and, you know, questionable positions just to check you out and, and figure out everything that's going on with you, they also have you sign a lot of documents. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized when I was signing my life away, um, 
I signed about seven different documents that said, I have no intentions of homosexual conduct or actions. And if I do, these are all the things that could happen to me. I mean, it was just listed out. It was crazy. And I'm like, I leave today and I have to sign this today for the first time I'm seeing this. And I arrived at BMT and I had long flowy hair. I didn't look the part, right? So people didn't expect me probably to be gay, but I felt super gay. And I'm like, everybody can tell. Everybody sees me and they know <laughs> that she's gay. And so I didn't want to look at people. I just kept my head down in the showers. I mean, I'm like, I'm like covering as much as I can. And I'm trying not to look at anybody because I don't want people to just know, you know, and, and it was a really terrifying experience for months. You don't get to talk about yourself. You don't get to, you know, have that support system. It was rough, you know, and then I get to tech school and, uh, and I met a girl there and we started dating, but it was like super secret. And in tech school, they, they ended up briefing us and saying, hey, don't ask, don't tell is getting repealed. So here's all the training for it. Here's all the things that you're not going to do, right? And so everybody's like, oh, I can be out. I can be happy and, and gay and free. And um, there were several gay couples that I knew that were dating secretly and came out after the fact, like right after the training. And they ended up getting washed into other teams because they couldn't have two people dating of the same sex on the same team. And I was like, what? So again, I just had to stay hidden and secret until I got to my first base. And it was about 10, 11 months in the military before I actually made it that far. So it was really rough for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I that definitely resonates a lot with me too because 2007, um, that was still four years away from Don't Ask, Don't Tell going away. And I signed all those same, same documents and in the army when back then, when you enlisted, in addition to your dog tags, you got this army values tag. And the very first army value is honesty. And, you know, LD, well, it's, it's actually leadership, but one of those is, uh, is honesty. It's actually LDR ship. And one of those is honesty and integrity. And, I just remember thinking even back then as an 18 year old, you know, joining right after high school thinking, wow. So my very first act of joining the military is to violate my integrity and to be dishonest with everyone around me. I mean, granted, yes, I was still in the closet and I was all the way until 2011, you know, so that was a really long time. I got to say like, 14 years in the military, I would say that first like four years felt like 20 because it was terrifying because everyone else is, you know, at work, you know, the army's a little bit more rough around the edges, but then the air force or the, or the, uh, or the Navy, but, um, you know, so people would be at work, you know, talking about, you know, their weekend encounters and, you know, whatever female they had been with. And I, had to sit there and like lie about it because, you know, I couldn't just like not say anything because that I, in my head, I was feeling like, Oh, like if I don't join in on this banter, then I'm instantaneously going to get called out. It's like, well, why aren't you ever talking about girls? You know? So I don't think Cesar, I don't think you're in the privileged generation. Like, honestly, I think that's, 
I think you're, you're privileged for not having gone through that. I mean, that, that's like a blessing and just like, just, yeah, there's still struggles, but I just would not wish that four years of don't ask, don't tell upon anyone. That was trash. <laughs> Ashley and Matt, you guys made such a, like, you just took me back to basic and I'm like already shaking about it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I grew up an army brat, so I was already, like, I already knew about Don't Ask, Don't Tell, but I, it wasn't, like, discussed out loud, and in my family, they, my dad's side, actually, they have their own opinions and, and judgmental actions against uh, our people, but, um, but I've always been, like, really open about who I am. Um, I've always done my own thing in high school, and I, I was in a very, very small high school, so a typical army like Germany, like there are literally 38 kids in my graduating class, small. So I was already kind of like the spotlight was on me, but I didn't care. You know, it was high school and, and kids are assholes. So um, so when I came in the military, um, I just continued, you know, being myself. But like Ashley was saying, like the more like I was signing the documents and going to basic and like. I, you know, you can kind of tell amongst your own people, we kind of like band together without even realizing it um, in basic. And so we had our own little, like, lack of a better term, click. Um, we were each other's wingmen all the time, but we kind of just stuck together. You know, we didn't even have to say who we were. We just knew. And, uh, but at the same time, like, I felt a lot of eyes and a lot of judgment for so long that uh, I kind of put myself in just like this tiny little box for a long time. Um, to the point where I was like, I felt like I was being shoved right back in the closet and I, I was really never in the closet to begin with. So, um, I was even like dating men and just like being disgusted with myself because I thought that that was what I was supposed to do. So it was not a happy time at all. Um, and then when I, um, years later, when I actually became an MTI, you know, I, I had those same trainees come through in my flights and I, they, they, again, they just knew like intuitively they knew. And a lot of them would come into my office and ask me questions, you know, about it. And we would have those talks and I like literally like turned into just Kayla and not Sergeant Itson. And I'm like, yeah, I could talk about it. You know, um, I felt like I needed to, you know, I needed to tell them that it gets, it does get better, but it also gets worse in the military, unfortunately. Um, but we have to find our own, I guess, our own way of getting through it. You know, it's, it wasn't the healthiest way of me getting through it, but it just took me a lot of growth and just being comfortable with myself again um, in order to be like, you know, I really don't care what y'all think. Um, and as soon as don't ask, don't tell got repealed, you know, even like you were saying that I was just, I just still felt like awkward and taboo to discuss it openly. Cause I didn't, I felt like the pitchforks would come out to be honest. So uh, it just took a lot of growth on my part to be, to accept myself again. So I love everybody's stories. And of course I have several of my own, but you know, a couple of things are occurring to me as each of you is talking in that, you know, I came in in 2004, um, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was still a thing. Um, though nobody knew about it and nobody was talking about it, you know, 
trans people were banned from the military completely and nobody knew about it, nobody talked about it, nobody even, the idea of people who were trans was just not on the radar of most people. Um, we didn't talk about the fact that people were trans. Is that her connection? I think so. That's what I was yeah. just about to say. I think, yeah, her connection locked up. <clears throat> so, okay. So we'll have Melody go. So Hannah, you haven't oh. said much. Oh, is she back? Okay. She fell off. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, there she is. Are you back? Yay, I'm back. So where did I get okay, lost? Cool. <laughs> uh, start, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. You, you, I think you cut out at the point where, hey, the thought of trans in the military wasn't... wasn't oh, yeah. So not only was the idea of trans in the military not a thing, you know, we still didn't have... Lang we still weren't, as a society, discussing the fact that trans people existed at all. I mean, I really didn't even have language to describe my own existence, you know, till after my first enlistment. Um, but my first encounter with Don't Ask, Don't Tell, um, you know, that that had any sort of an impact on me. You know, I was, you know, 2006, you know, I'm, I'm in C school, which is the equivalent of tech school for some of my, our sister services. Um, and, you know, I was after school doing some, doing some catch up, getting ready for for my projects for the next day. And, you know, there's an E4 there who's fleet returnee as well. Um, and we're the only two in the classroom. And so, you know, we're both doing our work and after a few minutes, she says to me, so is your marriage a sham marriage? And I'm like, what, excuse me? Like, and she's going, yeah, cause you seem like you're gay. And I'm going, well, I'm, pretty sure I'm still into girls, so no. Turns out the joke was on me. <laughs> um, you know, so after I left active duty and, and, and affiliated with the reserve, you know, I started to um, have more access to understanding, you know, what, what, it, what is a trans person? What does it mean to be trans? You know, and was able to identify all these things that I'd, you know, been able to put in place over the past almost 30 years and yet still hadn't, you know, hadn't come to, come to terms with. Um, and of course, even when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed back in 2010, that didn't help my problem. Um, most of you probably remember that June 30th, 2016 was the day the Secretary of Defense finally stood up and said, you know, trans people are gonna be allowed to serve openly in the military and here's our first temporary policy and um, we expect services to have finalized policies drafted by the 1st of October. What makes it more interesting, and you know, I swear I live by the Chinese curse, maybe live in interesting times, was that three days before that, on June 27th, I'd gotten a phone call from my skipper saying, congratulations, first class. Your number has come up for mobilization. You're going overseas starting the end of December. This was at a point where I had already started making my plans for how am I gonna come out? How am I gonna transition? How am I gonna do all that sort of stuff in September? 
which mean, meant I had a really big choice to make. Either I could come out on, on my plan, um, start my transition, and ultimately, you know, screw over one of my shipmates who was going to have to pick up my mobilization after I fell out, or I was going to go on mobilization and be in the closet for another year before I could come back and start the transition. So um, I made the choice that, you know, I think a lot of people who have been in for a long time um, and understand, you know, it's time to mobilize, sacrifices have to be made, you know, we'll, we'll consider making. And I took my deployment. So I left the end of 2016 still wearing that old secret identity as a best, my best friend used to call it, um, all the way through my mobilization. You know, came home the end of 2017, by which point we had a new president and plans for a new policy in place. Um, even though it hadn't, you know, gone live yet, we had new plans for a new policy about trans people in the military already, already in place for how are we going to do this? And only then was I able to restart my plans to transition. Um, and, you know, we can talk about, you know, what impact that makes on somebody when you're told while you're downrange that, oh, by the way, you're not qualified to be here in downrange and doing the job that you're doing right now. Um, but I'm sure you have some guesses about what went through my mind that day. And um, the fact that that day was harder for me feeling like um, senior leadership, super senior leadership didn't want me there than actually being on the mission overseas. Actually, I remember um, a tweet came out. I think it was 2017 after the new president had had a uh, late July president. 2017. Yep. And uh, everybody's like, oh, my gosh. Now, just last year, they approved transgenders being able to serve openly. And now they're taking it away. And, and everybody's like, is this a legit thing? I mean, it came out in a freaking tweet. Right. <laughs> and uh and I mean, there was a lot of tension. I mean, you know, you kind of, you get two sides. You had a lot of really brave people that are like, yeah, they shouldn't be here. And then you have other people that are like, why are they doing this? Why are they taking this away? Like, what the heck is going on? And I only knew one transgender person in the military at the time, and, and he was not open. Um, and we're not even really friends, but uh, we worked like catty corner from each other. And I just like, that. the first thing I did, I just went over there and I was like, hey, look, I know we've never talked really, and this is probably none of my business, but you know, I'm here if you need anything. And I just remember like it just being emotional for me because I'm like, what's next? And then last year they they put out a memo, I think it was DOD, they they said, um, you know, Confederate flags are banned and also so are pride flags, because they're like the same thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we had just fun. had Pride Month last month. We had, you know, celebrated in my work center. And then I'm like, okay, well then now, you know. They're, they're trying to ban transgenders and then they're taking away our pride flags. If they tell me that I have to take down a picture of my wife, I am losing it because <laughs> that's not happening. You know, if I have to take mine down, everybody needs to, because this is ridiculous. You know, that's kind of like where I just, I lost it. You know, just everything is, has been, uh, I mean, we had really, really good goods in the military, but we've also had some pretty low lows. And even in oh, wow. recent times, I'm not talking about back in 2011 when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. I'm talking about recent, you know? Yeah. Hannah, yeah, I want to hear, uh, you having socks. Hi. 
Um, I'm not too big on the whole talking matter. I like to just kind of sit and listen and feel out things first. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty new to the whole Air Force thing, um, new to the whole life thing. I just turned 21 last month, so I'm not exactly deep into it. Uh, but for the whole like LGBT uh, and stuff, I grew up in a really, really small town. So I was the first like masculine that really like came about. And um, so I was very judged by that. Um, so I think that's the only thing I can really relate any of this to. Um, I honestly didn't even learn about Don't Ask, Don't Tell until last, I think it was last June when we were sitting down for figuring out what we we're going to do for Pride and somebody brought it up and I was like, that was, a, that was a thing. Like, oh my goodness, that's, that's fucked up for one. Um, and that really like blew me away that us younger people, I guess you could say, no, I'm not saying that you guys are old, but us, you know, younger uh, kids, we were not exposed to that as much. Um, I were not really taught that either, which I really think that we should shine a light on that more often. Um, yeah, so that's like my thoughts on it. I don't really have too big of a thing going on in the Air Force right now to where it's like, I feel too judged. I don't feel any like target or anything like that, which makes me feel really comfortable. Um, like my sponsor coming into Mildenhall was a gay guy. And so that made me feel even more comfortable being able to not to be like, oh, my partner, I could say, oh, my girlfriend or whomever. So, uh, so something that, uh, of course, while um, I can relate, I can definitely understand to your, you know, uh, and, and appreciate your guys' stories and, and what you guys, um, and what the whole community, your family has experienced, right? And so one thing that, uh, that I didn't know before, I, I'm born and raised Texas. I'm a conservative guy just by nature, right? Having lived in Texas, but uh, while going through school, uh, for, for my degree, I took a lot of courses on behavior, on human development, and then on uh, on social norms, right? And so one of the things uh, that I'll add, what I'll add is, it's, it, it's rough. It, it is rough for people who are not members. I'm sorry, it is rough for people to get comfortable with things that are not familiar with them, right? And the toughest part, in my opinion, is that as we're talking about this, right? I don't, I don't want to say maybe at, as, at its root, we're talking about cultural and social norms, right? And what's tough about that is that you have several entities that come into play when who, who gets to decide social norms, right? Who gets to decide what is, and you guys started off, what's considered normal versus what can be considered deviant. And it's, you have a combination of the government, like you've talked about, Melody, like you guys talked about with Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and then with DOMA, right? They set forth the policies and ideologies. Then you have education. You have folks within the civilian sectors and the military who are advocating for the education, advocating for the training and whatnot. And then, in my opinion, the most important part is you have the family, right? Our families, how you grow up, how you were raised. Um, were, you were, were you raised in a small town with that small town, maybe southern mindset or were you raised on one of the coasts in one of those northern uh you know bigger cities where the uh where being a part uh, of a marginalized group was seen as something to work towards and to and, and, and to make better lives for them and, and, it, and it's tough and uh and so and so here's my question for you guys right uh and i talked about this a little bit in the chat is that knowing that this is a these are social norms right and 
how did you, how did you guys growing up, right? How did you guys really deal with that? Um, specifically when it comes to people that you grew up with or people that you've known that dislike members of the LGBTQ plus community from a, 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 the lens of hate versus somebody, maybe it's a family member who has a difference of opinion because of something like religion. And I specifically say it like that because that's a really tough line to toe, right? It's easy. If somebody hates, they're a piece of shit. But if somebody just doesn't, it goes against what they believe in religiously or culturally. I mean, how do you toe that line? And, and how, do you, how do you adapt? Not how do you adapt, sorry. Yeah, we'll just your guys' thoughts on that. So I have kind of a two-track answer to that. Um, you know, for people who you know, either have a lack of exposure, um, lack of uh, understanding. Um, maybe they are hateful by nature. Maybe they're not, and they just have, you know, honest ignorance. And honest ignorance is not to be feared. It's to, it's an opportunity to learn and to grow past what you need to begin with. Um, for people in those categories, you know, especially that I've interacted with, whether, whether in, you know, my, my personal life, my professional life, my Navy life, whatever else, you know, there, I find a certain obligation towards excellence to prove that we can do whatever it is that, that is the task at hand, whether it be, you know, Navy mission, whether it be your, your, your job, whether you're in or out of the military, whether it be, you know, your, your, um, your local volunteer work, um, because the number one thing that I find breaks into people's honest ignorance is exposure. And so I, I do my best to be present. Um, I do my best to be present in a positive way so that um, people are in some ways forced to break up the stereotype of, well, LGBT people are only this one way on this one way that I dislike um, because they've gotten to know me and discovered that they actually kind of like me. Um, and so um, that gives me the opportunity to encourage people to confront their biases. Um, as far as people who who've struggled with it with religion, um, you know, I am, I'm kind of the unicorn within the queer community in that I am still a person of faith. Um, and that's, you know, that's certainly not, not any, any shade or anything towards anybody who's not, but because I am still a person of faith and that's generally not the social norm within the queer community. Um, you know, I have access to some of that faith language that um, not all of my queer brothers and sisters have. I have what I feel like is a fairly rich theology whereby if someone wants to understand my theology, I can actually speak to things like that because, you know, I, I have made it part of who I am is that I have a rich theology surrounding God and queerness and all of that sort of thing. Uh, but with that said, there's also a truth in that if someone is not open to those sorts of discussions within their faith, there is nothing that I can say that will change their mind. There is nothing that I can say that will change their mind. 
I'm absolutely happy to have those discussions with people who are open to having those discussions, but people who have decided exactly what it is their faith tells them, and they're not, they're, they're not interested in digging deeper as to why they believe what they believe. Um, those are conversations that I choose to walk away from because that's just not good for my mental health. Um, to bounce off her, uh, like religion and um, somebody, how they view things. My dad, he grew up Catholic. And so when I first cut my hair, he told me to go and glue it back on my head. And then he, he called me a lesbian slur. And I wasn't out of the closet at this time. I just liked the haircut. Um, that's when I was like, okay, well, we're not coming out to him. That's, that's for freaking sure. We're not doing that. Um, so I just came out to everybody around him and I started getting more comfortable with how I was and dressing how I wanted to dress and stuff like that. And honestly, I do consider myself one of the lucky ones. All I had to do was deal with my dad kicking me out, calling me a couple names at 16, yelling at him about some random things. And then eventually he came back around. I do consider myself very lucky about that. Like me and my dad are very close now. Um, and all I, I really had to deal with was him calling me some names and kicking me out. Like there are some people that still don't talk to their family and still don't feel loved by their family. Um, and I do appreciate that he was able to change. I feel like he was kind of forced to since I'm definitely one of his favorite kids, um, not to brag about anything. But then my sister definitely came out. So I think he was even more forced into like having to accept it and realize that it's not exactly a bad thing. And it's just, it's just love. You know, I want to say too, like for all the people that are listening and, you know, you can have your beliefs and your religion and everything, but it doesn't take anything from you to just be nice and civil to people, whether you agree with what they're doing or not. Um, I just, it's so hard to have to be the, the bigger person every single time. Like, I just wish that people could just be adults and, and just realize that we're all people. We all have our own differences, our own beliefs, our own everything. It doesn't mean that we're taking away from you. You know, it's just, it's just adding to the value of the diverse uh, community. And you, and you, and sorry, I want you guys to keep doing this, but that, and you see it, right? We, we see it. We see that it, it, exactly what you just said, Ashley, it doesn't cost anything to be a human being, just to be a nice human being and being acceptive, right? It actually takes energy to be a piece of crap to somebody to try to make them feel bad. But also the second, uh, cause it, it'll happen uh, here in two weeks on, on one June, you are going to have people that are like, Oh my God, here, the, the, the here goes pride again here. And, and it, but it's not like anything, but you're, you're not, they, those people who feel that way, you're not being excluded. You're not being excluded. And again, you're it's it's you're exerting negative energy to have to be upset about something that impacts your life zero, right? And and so and, and I'll say for those people who are listening, because I'm sure we do, I'm, I'm sure we have people in our career field that are, uh, it doesn't bother us, it doesn't or it doesn't bother you, it doesn't change your life whatsoever. The same way women being allowed to have their hair and ponytails, guys, it didn't do anything to us, right? And so I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that, Ashley. Wow, I gotta say something about the ponytails because I'm ready to wear mine too. So when is that gonna happen? <laughs> no, but no, I, think, I, 
I think you got to advocate for it, you know? Us women, we've been fighting for this stuff for a long time. And, and I'm all uh, about helping you out. You just got to tell me where you're fighting so I can join it, you know? And I definitely, I was just trying to make a joke out of it. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can definitely say that religion has definitely been a big struggle in my life as far as being a queer man. And it hasn't been easy. I'm not going to lie. It's been definitely a roller coaster. It still is a roller coaster, especially, you know, growing up as a, I guess, Jehovah's Witness, you know, we're all so constrained to our own little communion, especially like, you know, with all these different religions and everything around the world, Jehovah's Witnesses hold this high standard of you can only speak to your own community as Jehovah's Witnesses. You cannot venture out into, you cannot go into other people's houses that are like, let's say Pentecostal, Catholic, you know, and that just shows how, I guess, um, suppressed, you know, some people are, especially in our own community that are maybe older, younger, whatever, um, still in these types of religious households or religious um, confines. I personally think, well, you know, that religion to a certain extent is good, but your faith and whatever you believe in is what keeps you grounded as a human being, you know, essentially whatever you believe in, there's no, to me personally, there's no one true faith, right? We're all human. We all love what we love. We all preach what we preach. And at the end of the day, you know, as long as we're not doing anything shitty to other people, you know, why not? Right. Um, I definitely like Melody. I, I completely love that you're into that faith and also just being part of the queer community that just gave me goosebumps. But um, yeah, like I, as far as being a queer man in the military, it hasn't been very difficult for me. It was difficult, I wanna say, um, going through BMT because I was still questioning my own sexuality at the time. And this was like back in 2016. So, you know, hearing all your stories has definitely been like amazing, especially like everybody that has gone through Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And like, I'm ready to hear Kayla talk about DOMA because that's a really big thing that happened just not recently, but I mean, in 2015 when the Gay Marriage Act or the Equality Act passed, you know, how was your experience with that as far Hang as on. being a military? Let's be clear. Person? Let's be clear, even while we're being queer. Um, the Equality Act has not yet fully passed. In 2015, was the Supreme Court invalidating bans on same-sex marriage. The Equality Act is still working its way through Congress. It was passed by the House two years ago and died in, in the Senate. It was passed by the House again this year. It has yet to be brought to the Senate floor, but it's not dead. But the Equality Act has not, not passed. What did happen was the invalidation of the same-sex marriage ban by the Supreme Court. So just to be fully clear, I'm sorry about interrupting, but please go on. No, it's okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Melody is dropping knowledge today. Um, no, uh, no, thanks for that plug, uh, Fern. Um, no, I uh, I wanted to talk about it because it was you know a lot of people like uh, like Hannah have 
hasn't been in during this time. And it was another kind of step towards like progress, but also, you know, it, every time we take a step back, it's kind of like getting kicked five, five feet back as well. So, um, and honestly, it wasn't even just the, the military aspect. It was living in Texas, unfortunately. And I love Texas. Texas is my home, Gonzo knows. And I want to move back in a heartbeat. But, um, you know, uh, I, I got engaged in 2013, beginning 2013. Uh, I, was, I was still in MTI. And, um, you know, we were actively looking at places that we can get married, you know, at the time. And so I, I read more about, you know, DOMA and what it means. And it was, you know, being brought to the Senate and all that. And I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say it was June 26th or 27th of 2013 um, when it got struck down. And we got married five months later, um, not in Texas, mind you. Um, it was actually in New Mexico. Um, so, you know, a lot of policies were already starting to change with, you know, getting spouse ID cards. And a lot of, I know the biggest uh, conversation at the time was, you know, if you were to live overseas, like, what does that mean for your spouse? You know, a lot of countries are not open to that still. Um, uh, so being stateside, you know, the whole, we were both military, so it wasn't a big deal, but it was like Texas, that was the problem. Um, and I, uh, all but got kicked out of a social security office because um, we went, uh, she already had her, like we already had our military records changed. And so we went to the social security office for her to get her name changed. Um, and, you know, as we wait, wait in line, um, you know, I, I already start to feel nervous. Like I, like, like I always have, you know, um, just, my personal life being the center of attention. Like I, I've never been that kind of a person. So uh, I was like really nervous about it, but um, you know, when we got there, we had our, you know, like anybody else, we had our marriage license and certificate and all the documents that we need for her to change her name. And I, I it's like, they looked at me like I grew three heads. Like they had no idea how to talk to us almost. And so I was already getting very defensive. Um, and the woman, I, I forget the exact words she used, but she was like, I need to talk to my supervisor, just hang on. And she shut the doors on us. <laughs> and um, so I kind of look at her, I'm like, I'm about to burn this building down right now. <laughs> and like, um, but uh, of course she was like, uh, she told me like, please stop talking and let me do all the talking. I was like, okay, I'll be nice. And, um, she came back and she said that they don't, they, their policies, I guess, haven't caught up to the recent legislative and they can't change her name. And I'm like, and that they aren't sure that the certificate is valid, like a legal document that's been stamped. Um, so right then and there, like I started getting loud with her <laughs> and a security guard, like kind of like stood next to me, like trying to flex. And I was like, yeah, I'm not ready for all this. And, you know, I, I left abruptly, but it was just a lot of growing pains. She, she eventually got her name changed, but it was just a lot of growing pains. Um, it wasn't even the military thing. I think at that point, a lot of people were very open. I, I had a lot of um, random negative comments that took me right back to high school. Like, I didn't even know you were gay or is that your sister? Or are you sure that's your wife? Like literally asking me. Um, 
but uh, you know, I've always been very a very overprotective person, so that wasn't an issue with me. But it was just going through that was a hard time, um, and I felt like I again, it's like I feel open about myself, and then I get put back in that little box every now and then. Um, just living in my home state, it, it was very it was very hard. That's, uh, as somebody who's, like I said, from there as well, that's tough, right? It's, it, it sucks. It sucks. It, it sucks that, uh, that like you guys have talked about, we have the federal government who is out there uh, looking to pass legislation, right, through the House and the Senate so that it can make it federal law that to provide protections to marginalized groups, um, while at the same time trying to tiptoe and not step on the toes of states who also want to be able to pass their own legislation that, as we know, right, depending on what part of the country you're in, it's going to be either positive or negative for the LGBTQ plus um, community. Uh, what about any, any, of, uh, any of you guys? Has anybody else really been impacted by that DOMA? Or did you guys have issues, assuming you're married, uh, with your partners at any time? Um, so Fort Campbell, Kentucky, not the Tennessee side. Um, so recently, this is 2021, um, my husband had to go get a new ID card and we went to the Solder Support Center or as I call it, the Solder Unsupport Center because nothing really gets done there. But uh, we go up to the counter for him to go you know, get his new ID card. And this man, older, like white dude is sitting at the counter with his gloves on without you know fingertips for some reason uh his mask below his nose and everything um and he asked directly like who's the dependent and i was like i or who's the sponsor and i was like i and my husband is i'm so kayla you're the loud one i'm the like the peacemaker so my husband just blurts out like i don't know maybe the uh the dude standing next to me in uniform you know? And I was like, I, I chuckled and I was like, yeah, that's me. So, and I grabbed the paperwork and I went on. And at that moment, I don't know if I really realized like exactly what had just happened. And then I discussed it with my husband afterwards. He thought you were my son. <laughs> he thought like, what? Why, why would you, why would you think that when like both of us have like the exact same type of ring on our finger and you know, like, why, why would you do that? But, and this is 2021, this isn't even like in the past. So um, it is still out there very much so. So when I was pregnant, I had kind of the same situation when, uh, again, San Antonio, but I went to SAMC for one of my appointments and I am very noticeably pregnant. <laughs> and, um, we go in and uh, again, military hospital. And um, the nurse calls us in. I don't think she was military, but either way, she was like, which one of you is pregnant? And I like, look, um, I like, look at her again. I'm the loud one, as you said. And I'm like, oh, gee, I don't know. You want to take a guess? <laughs> and um, I'm already starting to get an attitude with her. And um, she tells me, she tells me to, you know, go to the doctor's room. And then she told her, 
you can wait down the hall. I'm like, no, no, she's going to stay with me. And I just kind of like stared at her. <laughs> and uh, she was like, oh, well, your sister, like, she, like it's going to be between you and the doctor. I'm like, why would you think she's my sister? <laughs> and I just, I ended up filing an ICE complaint because I'm like, this was 2014, 2015, right before I had my son. So, I mean, it was still, you know, we were still progressing, of course, and still are, but like you said, 2021, but I was like, I, wow, this is going to be a long time before this stuff seems normal to people, apparently. Uh, an issue in 2016, so it was about six months after the, you know, they, they allowed everybody to get married, and they, they struck it all down, and you know, my wife and I didn't know each other for very long uh, when we got married. <laughs> and so I knew I had been at my base for almost five years. I knew I was probably going to be leaving. I was trying to retrain into a new job and all sorts of things. And, you know, I wanted to be married to her. She was, she was the one I wanted to be married to, you know? And so we went to the courthouse, we got our, our license and then uh, we held on to it for a little bit. And I'm like, you know, maybe we should make that phone call and try to set up at a time to go to the courthouse. And she's like, oh, I'll take care of it while you're at work. And my wife is so sweet, so soft-spoken. She's definitely the, the nice one, right? And she calls and she's like, hi, I, I'm trying to get married and I want to set up a, a time. And they're like, oh yeah, we don't do that here. And so she's like, oh, okay, bye. You know, and I come home and she tells me, I'm like, what? <laughs> they can't do that. And so I'm like losing my mind. Uh, and so I start calling up my, my gay advocates. <laughs> so they're like, I'm going to get the news involved. I'm going to get all these people involved. And I'm like, yes. And, uh, and they called and they're like, oh, we would never do that. They can get married here. And I'm like, I don't want to get married there. Like, <laughs> I don't want you anymore. <laughs> so we ended up uh, getting married by a friend of ours who went and got his, his license so that he could marry us in our house. But um, still, like, oh, I was heated. I was heated. I want, I want equality, man. <laughs> That's all I want. That's all Where I want. was that? That was in so very uh, far right state. It was a uh, Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> so, oh. I mean, it was pretty much you could probably assume that that was probably going to happen there. But I was like, yes, they're going to have to marry us. Everybody has to marry us no matter where we are. And yeah, they were like, no. So. Yeah, as we, you, you, I like how you, uh, these are amazing stories, and um, and are for the folks that are going to be listening to this man. I want you to keep something in mind: is that um, it is okay to keep an open mind, right? It's uh, and it's going to take all of us, right? And I know we've heard it over the last you know eighteen to twenty four months. It takes everybody, right, to to do positive change. But it does. It, it, it does take everybody. And and I'll offer that it shouldn't be on the on the shoulders of the of the members of the LGBTQ plus family to drive that change. Right. It should be part of society as a whole to do that. And and like you guys talked about, I mean, you're, you are going to run into those issues. You're going to run into those people like Melody, you mentioned it, that it doesn't matter what you say. They're just not going to hear it. Right. But uh, but still. Those conversations need to be had. Uh, need to be had. Um, like you talked about exposure, right? Being able to, especially in states like, you know, like your 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 Midwest states, to be able to talk about that. And it's uh, uh, and one thing that I'll offer. And I've had this conversation quite a few times, is um, 
it wasn't too long ago, right? When women were not allowed to vote. It wasn't too long ago um, when women were not allowed to uh, be a part of the military, right? And as we get old, as, as I get older, right? I start, one of the things that I think about when stuff like this comes up, when we talk about, uh, uh, you know, uh, trans rights, LGBTQ rights, marriage and whatnot. It's like, do you really want to be on the wrong side of history with this, right? Because it's going to take a while. It, it, it's going to, I'm sure I'm going to be, and in a nursing home by the time that this conversation that we're having right now is not going to be looked at anymore as not the norm right and and so it's all offer that to, to to the listeners man like do you do you want to be on the on the wrong side of history when this comes down um because you will be you 100 will be uh, and so it's uh yeah it's interesting uh so I actually have another, I hate to hijack this, but I do have another question. Unless Kaylee, did you have? Shoot it, Gonzo. So, because uh, uh, of, uh, and I'll call them the power couple, right? And in, in the career field, what have you been your guys' experiences in being members? And the, the question is for all you guys, being members of the LGBTQ plus community and having children. Am I going first, Kayla? Yeah, you're going first. You had, you had, like, we were an hour and 12 minutes in, and I was waiting when he was going to bring it up. <laughs> um, Wait, so is this official now? Oh my God. Yep. <laughs> no, hey, no, I'm for sorry. Anybody that didn't know, honestly, um, so Kayla and Kayla, Kayla and Kaylee. <laughs> Yes, I love that girl. You know, having children in the community. Um, so for me, I'll just share my personal story. Um, I recently came out, uh, very recently. Um, so this is very new for me, um, I think. And I'm learning a lot about it. And it's it's a beautiful community, really. So when, when we announced it, um, I received an outpour of love. Like, I mean, it was, it was welcome to the family. Like we're, what did Hannah tell me? Welcome to the alphabet soup. Like <laughs> just so much love and, and welcoming. And um, it really took me back because I've always been very comfortable with who I am as a person, not always, but um, since at least 2014, I've been very comfortable with who I am uh, as, as a woman, as a mother, and as a person, as an airman. Um, so for me, it's hard to see labels. For me, it's, I love people. I love certain qualities. I value certain qualities and certain moral values. And so I'm just naturally attracted to people who possess those qualities, right? So, um, but having children in the, in the community I think it's really cool. Um, I, I conceived my children with men. Um, but I guess one of the things that kind of stuck with me is what Gonzo said to us is, you know, look at you guys, like you, you both are killing it in your career. You're both powerful mothers and women. Um, and to me, that's just dope. Like I've not, I've not received any uh, negative 
feedback. I don't know what you would feedback call it, but um, I've not received anything negative. I've received so much love uh, and, and welcoming to a community, to a family, and I love it. So, yeah. Yeah, we're pretty rad. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, just talking about kids, uh, I you just reminded me, um, I had a conversation with somebody who is still unfortunately in the closet. Um, but seeing our recent post and he was just like very emotional and talking to me about like, if I only was open about 14 years ago, you know, my life would have been different and it like totally broke my heart. Um, but at the same time, I just like my entire life, I've been so thankful to be open about who I am so that people like that him can reach out to me. Um, and he was even talking about his, he has two boys. And he said like, you know, of course I wouldn't mind if they came out to me, you know, I, I kind of at this point, I want to um, prepare the next generation because you know, it didn't work in my favor. And I was like, I, I immediately was like, oh my God, you have to get this book that I got for Jackson. And um, it's, uh, I forget what it's called. I think it's just like, um, just about different kinds of families. So, and it, of course it's like very, very innocent and, and, you know, pictures of animals and like farms and stuff. But at the same time, it's like different families everywhere. You have one mom, you have a dad, you have two moms, two dads, you might have um, multiple parents. Um, and, but we're, we, we all have that one thing in common and it's love. And so I, you know, I, again, have been open about, you know, watching my favorite shows around him, uh, i.e. Schitt's Creek. And, um, you know, like reading these books and just like making it like that environment, that nature versus nurture type aspect, like it's okay to be who you are. And he tells me already at six that he likes this girl in his class. And I'm like, who is she? And, um, but, either way, you know, whether it's, you know, I have a girlfriend or I have a boyfriend, I'm like, I'm preparing for him to be open about who he is no matter what. So um, it's been a lot of fun just, again, preparing that next generation and then seeing how happy he is to just be open with me because I didn't get that. Um, so I, I love it. So Kayla, Kayla, I love, love all the stuff you just said. And Two thoughts ran off in my head while you were talking before I get to the question at hand, but but one is the whole, you know, being out and being open there and people being able to feel like, you know, you're there for them to talk to. I'll tell you, I get texts, chats, phone calls from sailors literally all around the world trying to figure out how to navigate this, how to deal with this, um, and how to, um, how to be fully themselves as a trans sailor. And so um, I'm right with you on all of that because um, that's part of the reason why I continue to be visible is to make the, it easier for the generation of people coming out after me um, that, that their lives are easy. The other thing that, that, that uh, ran off my brain when you said was, you know, I wish I, I, I if only I'd been able to be, be myself 14 years ago was, you know, the joke is that for, for trans people who transition as adults is that we have we get to have two week puberty twice and never get to be a teenager 
which has more than a singular grain of truth to it. Um, but to the, to the question at hand of having, you know, kids in in the community, you know, I, in one sense, I didn't because, you know, I had not yet come to terms with who I am before we had all of our kids. I mean, my oldest is in college now and my youngest is in middle school. Um, so well before I had come to terms with who I am, we were done having kids. So um, in one sense, I didn't have them in, in the community and yet, I'm in the community and I have kids. And so there's by definition gonna be some influence there. And, you know, I watched my oldest go through high school and my my two younger ones that are still making their way through school and see them, you know, so much more open and accepting and caring and, um, and all of those things and able to see that love back and forth um, so much more so ever than when I was in school and I, Absolutely love it. In fact, um, you know, the only the only time my oldest ever misgendered me was uh, he used the wrong pronoun once. And the moment I corrected him, he said, oops, I'm sorry. All of my other trans friends are trans guys. Okay, I can see why you trip over that. And he hasn't made mistakes since. Um, so easy you know, easy little things, you know, you catch yourself, you fix yourself, you move on. Um, but they grow up with so much better habits of, oops, I'm sorry, I fixed it, I moved on, rather than, you know, making the slip ups about, oh my gosh, it's so hard for me. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden now the spotlight is shining on them for why they screwed up rather than, you know, just the discussion at hand. So, you know, I am super excited for, you know, the all my kids who are growing up around community, both me and the rest of the community here in our area, because it's, uh, you know, I'm not in the urban center and yet there's still plenty of, of queerness around, especially, especially in the school district. So I think it's a wonderful thing. It's a, uh, I like that. I like that response. And, and, uh, and I have one, one uh, little snippet had, and then we'll go to the next person. Um, one thing that I've noticed, I have a 14 year old son, right? And, uh, and my, uh, his mom's uh, elementary school teacher. And so having spent time with her and of course spending time with him, one thing that I've noticed in this current generation, right? You're gonna say the generation Z and the generation that's gonna come behind him. Uh, they are very tolerant and they are very open and they're very accepting of, of, uh, of gender, of race, of ethnicity, of trans. And then in my opinion, right? This is my personal experience. And so I like that they're growing up with the understanding that this, what you guys, the family you're describing is no different than anybody else. It, 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 that you guys, that this is the norm. This, this is being a human being, right? And I love that. Uh, just talking to my son, having the conversations with him, right? Uh, and just listening to him talk. And he has friends uh, that, are, uh, that are members of your guys' family. And it's only, and he, two things. One, he always talks about how, how amazing those people are. And they are, and then two, he does it with such innocence and that's what I love the most about it. Right. And so uh, I am looking forward to that. I'm looking, I think this next generation is, is amazing. And, um, and eventually they're all going to replace us. Right. And so they're going to continue the push for equality. The other thing around that, and the, I sort of alluded to it and I think you did too, but I think it's worth, worth saying out loud is that they're growing up with the idea that I made a mistake or I said something that wasn't quite right oops, let me fix it. 
and go on. And they use it as an opportunity to learn and to grow. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of adults that, you know, I've spoken to in the past three, four years, um, and I'm sure all of my siblings on the podcast here will agree, you know, they, 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 they want to dig in of, but this is what I understand, but why can't it not be the way I understand it rather than, you know, and I, uh, they, they take it as an affront to the experience they had rather than an opportunity to learn about a wider world that they may not have had exposure to previously. It's not that anyone's upset that you didn't have exposure to people like me, people like you when you were growing up. Nobody's upset about that. All we're asking is for you to assimilate the fact that we do exist and we'd like to continue existing. You're muted, mute, and I'm on mute. <laughs> I was hoping I was going to make it. I was going to make it through. Uh, so, man, this has been really good conversation. We've been going for about an hour and ten minutes or so now. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for for doing agreeing to do this. Right, um, even though you know, like we talked about, we have military policy, we have public policy. That's all um, heading in the right direction. Right, maybe a little slower than we hope. Um, but it's still, it's still very, and I hope I'm not using, uh, minimalizing or marginalizing, it's still very brave to have these conversations for you guys to put yourselves out there, right? Because it's not freaking easy. It's, uh, we're 2021, but we're still a, a, a very, uh, our military, we're still a, a subsect of the, of the society, right? And so um, I, I, I'm glad we're doing it. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. Um, I'll uh, uh, I'll add that uh, um, I I'm about to say this, and what I'm about to say I think is 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 the equivalent of the I can't be racist because I have a black friend. So I, I hope it doesn't come off like this, but I know it will be. So I will tell you that uh, that uh, um, it, it's even impacting me directly, and I think I, a couple of you know this, right? So um, so. Uh, I recently got married, right? I'm from Texas. My wife, uh, who's sitting right here getting ready for, for dinner, getting makeup on, is from the Midwest. She's from Iowa, right? So you have a Texas family, and then you have a Caucasian Midwest family. And all of us, all of them came together about a month, six weeks ago in San Antonio, Texas, um, and we got married. But the cool part was that it was my, um, my mom's, my stepmom, my mom's wife, who is African-American and ordained who married us. And so you had a, a, a Mexican kid and a white girl and both of their Catholic families, very Catholic conservative families who came and got married by a member of your guys's family in one of the most conservative Southern states, right? And so, um, oh, and, and I'll add that standing in on the wedding were my two, uh, were well, one of my, um, uh, my gay sisters. Right. And so it's really cool. It, it, it's really cool to see this. It's really cool um, that when we did this right for everybody that was at the wedding, um, it was just the norm. There was no difference than anybody that was doing that. And um, and, and my wife and I, Megan and I were honored that my stepmom, Tammy, uh, would even consider uh, marrying us. Right. It was an honor for for, for us to, to have her there. So 
it's amazing, man. These are some amazing stories. Um, and one thing, and then we'll go around um, and, and we'll do like our final thoughts from everybody. But but hey, Melody, one thing that I, that uh, uh, I definitely want to do a, another episode with you. I'm sure Kaylee does too. Um, and here's the reason, right? Uh, you're a Navy chief petty officer, right? You went through, um, I can't remember the term. Chief's it's initiation? It is initiation. So we've had a variety of terms over the years. It was initiation for the long time. For a long time, then they started calling it induction, and then they started calling it phase two of CPO three sixty five. And as of about three four years ago, we're back to initiation. Initiation. Okay. Um, so because, for a variety yeah. of reasons, and we can talk about that later. But yes, I would love to come back. Yeah, and and for you guys, and and maybe Matt or Matthew, you might know about us, but. When you're a Navy chief and you go through that initiation, which is long and hard that I found out from a, a member, a Navy individual in my senior NCO Academy a couple months ago, uh, you're God tier, right? So you can be, so I'm sorry, you could be an E7 and an E8 and an, an E9 in the Navy, but there's a difference between an E7, E8, E9 in the Navy and then a Navy chief, right? And so you guys carry... Um, uh, the Navy chiefs, you carry a lot of power and you guys wield a very Gandalf type sore or, you know, a stick uh, uh, around. So um, I would love to get you on just to hear about that, because uh, yeah. I, I know for us as, as Air Force members and I talked with, with Champ about this before, man, you guys have a culture that is freaking amazing. And you and Navy chiefs, I don't know why. Or I think I know why you guys when when uh, uh the admirals on the ship when they see a problem that's who they come to first and not to mention you guys got your own special mess where nobody can go in and eat your food and uh, <laughs> blah 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 you know all this other stuff but uh but yeah i would love to have you back on um, yeah i would love to be back on just as a, a fun fact since we're talking about about our queerness here the summer that i came out in transition was also the summer that i got selected for chief and went through initiation so I was doing my transition and my chief's, chief's initiation in the exact same summer. And I'm sure we can talk about that more later if, if oh. that's when you'd like to hold it for. But it was definitely a when worlds collide type moment all summer long. That's, yeah, we'll definitely, and we'll talk offline and get it scheduled. That's groundbreaking. You want to talk about somebody that's, that's a member of your guys' LGBTQ plus family who's leading the way and breaking down barriers? A freaking Navy chief, bro, that's a lot. That's a lot. So awesome. So champ, did you have anything uh, before we go around the room? Yeah, let's go around the room. Um, this has been a great conversation. I, I love it. I love the message of love that we're spreading. Um, that's what we want. You know, this is all positive conversation. It's only a hard conversation when people make it a hard conversation. There's not much that's tough about this. So thank you guys for coming on. But yeah, let's go around the room for final thoughts. Fern, if you'll take us out. Yeah, so I just gotta say, honestly, thank you so much to everybody for just joining us and just being open and honest with all your conversations. Melody, I gotta give you the biggest shout out because honestly, like, here's a little stat that I found out not too long ago. There's only 1% of Americans that actually know a transgender person. So what percentage of that is in the United States military, you know? It's a very, very small percentage. 
So for you to come on and share your experience as a trans woman, like I got to give it to you a hundred percent. And on top of that, just being a chief petty officer, like you have definitely influenced and probably you're my biggest role model right now, <laughs> but thank you for coming on. Like, I really appreciate every single one of you. Gonzo, thank you for just being you and Kaylee. I appreciate all your love and dedication to everything. So anybody else like to carry on? I'll go. Um, everybody can hear me, right? Um, I just want to say thank you, uh, Champ and Fernandez and Gonzo for, for inviting me out here to, to experience this. It was really awesome. I'm, I'm really happy and uh, humbled by the opportunity. I want to say, I know we talked about a lot of like things in the past that were like really hard and you know we have a long way to go but I also want to end on a really positive note I, I think the military is years ahead of everybody else we have we were the first job to not tell us that we're going to be fired for being you know out and open I mean obviously that was after don't ask don't tell but you know we're years ahead of everybody else you know we have um housing rules when we're on base we're not going to get kicked out for living in military housing there are so many benefits you know we have we have health care we have all these different things and i i'm so grateful that i can be out and open i mean yeah it's it's been a long time and and i don't ever i've never felt like that in any other job and i have worked a lot of jobs obviously it was a long time ago but uh you know every opportunity that i get um i i always mention my wife i will I start conversations with like, yeah, my wife and I just, just the other day, we were doing this and it was this awesome thing. And I feel like that's kind of my way of coming out instead of saying, hey, I'm gay. Look at me. I know I have the hair, but you know, you can assume I, I really am. Uh, this is my wife. And I, I always bring it up, but um, I don't feel like I can't do that. And that's so great. And, and I can say it around anybody in the military. And I, regardless of their feelings about it, I can still be myself. And that's so, so, so much of a blessing for me. I, I feel like so honored to be a part of the military and also this community and the fact that I can combine them together. So thank you for having me out here. I appreciate it. Yeah, I guess I just want to say uh, thanks to Cesar for inviting me. This has been like an immense honor. Like, I, I really don't feel like, uh, I mean, I'm a senior NCO in the army as well, but Melody, like you definitely got me beat over there in the Navy. So that's awesome. Um, and I just want to say too, um, I know we were talking a lot about transgender rights. The way I feel about that is an attack on one of us in this community is an attack on all of us. So um all of that kind of discussion takes me right back to the repeal of don't ask, don't tell when I was sitting in those auditoriums, listening to people voice their opinions about gay men being in the military and lesbians. So I think it's important that we, you know, continue to talk about that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. Thank you. Uh, thank you again for having me on. So Cesar, Champ, Gonzo, thank you so very much for continuing to host these conversations that, you know, like you say, don't have to be hard unless you make them so, and yet people don't have them. Um, so thank you for inviting me and inviting all of us on to, to have this conversation. I really, um, 
I really love to have the conversation, um, especially with people who are interested in having it and, and are happy to swap stories like this um, and all that sort of thing. And obviously, you know, I mentioned that, that I, I take phone calls and chats and, and, and respond to, to sailors from around the world. Um, if you have folks who are Air Force or Army or Space Force or Marine Corps or Coast Guard for that matter, um, I think I got all six, um, who have questions, concerns, or just wanna chat um, about policy and where we are and where we're going, um, please feel free to chat me up. Um, I'm happy to talk about that sort of stuff, you know, until my face matches with the blue in my shirt. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I'm happy to talk about all that, that sort of thing and help, uh, you know, the, the next round of people with their, with their coming out stories and um, hopefully get everybody into a better place. What was great about this conversation and a lot of the conversations I've been in before is that we all come into the group and it's like, we are so used to being guarded and protect ourselves. And it's kind of hard to open up at first, but we, as we've said, this whole podcast, we're a family. And as soon as one person starts going, we all jump in. And so it's been amazing. And uh, like everybody else, Melody, you've been like knocking it out of the park the whole conversation. I loved listening to your stories. Um, and yeah, any conversation like this is a great conversation and it's progress. So, uh, thank you all for letting me talk about my experiences and, uh, let's all stay together and talk more for sure. So thanks guys. Um, I just want to say thank you champion for inviting me. Uh, I know I just kind of sat back and, and listened to everything. Um, that's like I said before, that's kind of just what I do. It was more of a learning experience than it was anything else for me. Um, I don't have a lot of stories, so to say. Uh, I, I have had some experiences, of course, but listening to your guys' really opens my eyes a lot to how, I don't want to say privileged the new generation is, but uh, lack of better words, I guess we're privileged. Um, we do still have a long way to go, but I think like everybody else is saying, this is a really big step in the right direction. And I do really appreciate everybody here. You guys have been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Gonzo and I are super excited about this and I hope that we get the opportunity to hang out with each and every one of you some more. Um, so thank you guys again so much. Happy Pride Month. Y'all have a great weekend and we'll catch you later. Thank you guys so much. Everybody take care. Bye. Bye.